is Pastor Chadwick King. I hope you enjoy the ministry of God's Holy Word today provided by the Promise Center Media Ministry. Please share this lesson or sermon with your friends and family. And may the Lord bless you. You feel the presence of the Lord in here? Amen. Amen. We come into his house, and as Paul said in Athens, he says that we may feel after him, for he is not far from any one of us. And that the win today is that we can feel after him and find him. Because he has a plan. And the plan is the man, and it's the man Christ Jesus, the mediator. Amen. He's here, and he wants to speak to you. And through his spirit, he wants to speak. He wants to give guidance. He wants to transform your heart. All this can happen in a moment. What we have here at the Promise Center, we, we have what we call one-day stories or one-day testimonies. There's a lot of stories in the Bible where it began like this. One day, Peter and John went up to pray. And there was a man who stayed at the gate begging every day. So every day. It was just another day for him, but it became his one-day story because that one day, Peter and John stopped and said, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, we're going to give you. And he was delivered and healed, and he went up rejoicing and dancing and went into the temple and into the presence of God and celebrated the testimony of Jesus Christ. So I believe that any day can become your one-day story, the day that changes everything, the day that changes the trajectory of your life. And that's why we keep preaching, and that's what we keep believing that people come into this house and are changed and transformed. And we want to create environments for you to bring your friends, those who are far from God. We exist not just for those who are here, but we exist for those who are not here yet. Amen? We exist for those who are not here yet. There's somebody who's looking and searching and wondering and saying, oh God, is there any help? And it's going to be a day when their one day moment, that one day changes their life forever when they come in contact with a holy, powerful, glorious God. Amen? Has anybody been touched like that? Does anybody have a testimony today? Does anybody know the goodness of the Lord today? Amen. Amen, amen. All right. Uh, Wednesday night, I'm excited. Sam and Karen Knapp will be sharing um, their mission stories. The, the Promise Center has sponsored Sam and Karen. They're here. They're local. They're out of our church. And they've gone uh, into Africa. They've gone into Mexico. They've gone to Asia. And uh, the Promise Center has sponsored them and sent Bibles with them. And uh, we've purchase bikes and motorcycles and so they're going to share uh, some of the stories and minister on Wednesday so we'd love for you to come and be a part of that it's going to be a wonderful midweek Bible study Luke chapter 9 and verse 57 Luke chapter 9 and verse 57 this is uh, the, the the starting point of our text and uh, I'm going to give you full disclosure today uh, I, I purchased a bag of almonds for our small group uh, meeting yesterday with our host. And on the back of the small group, uh, excuse me, on the back of the almond bag, there was the ingredients. So I, I turned and looked for the ingredients, and it was so profound. It says, ingredients, almonds. And then below it, it says, 
may contain nuts. I was like, this is great. Like, just, just let us know up front what's in the bag. So that I'm going to let you know up front what the, what the purpose of this message is. And it's to call us to a deeper place of commitment. Period. To call us in 2016 to a greater place of commitment. Luke 9 and 57. And as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Basically, you need to know what you're getting into. There's a sacrifice following Jesus. To another, he said, follow me. Jesus says to him, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. God is not a, a God of the no, as many of us sometimes think. God's always like, no, 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 no. But really, God is a God of the go. He's trying to create movement. You can't steer a car unless it's moving. Too many people are trying to steer with the car in park, and it doesn't work. I want to change the direction of my life, but I'm going to wait until I know the direction. Start moving. All right, that, I'm already preaching, and it's, it's like, it's happening. And yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those in my house. Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. When you're plowing, you've got to, find, you've got to have your bearings and you have to have your marker. And if you look back, you're going to start deviating. I need you committed. I need you focused. And I need you all in. Amen? So we're going to talk about going all in for Jesus. Heavenly Father, we open our hearts, our minds, our spirits to you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this challenge that you put in me. And I thank you that I get to share it today with this wonderful church. Bless your name, bless your word, amen. Everybody say amen. All right, praise God. Now, our theme for the last two weeks has been very simple. If we make 2016 the greatest year of our life spiritually, it will be the greatest year of our life. So we're, we're calling on this church, we're calling on you individually to summon the willpower to embrace the disciplines that, re, that is required to see your life flourish in the Lord. It's the simple things. It's the little things that matter. I believe that this year can be the most amazing, incredible, mind-blowing, supernatural year of your life if you will go all in with Jesus. Jesus is about commitment. And many people, they are, they are committed to the process, but they're not committed to Christ. They're still in dating mode with Jesus. They're still unsure. They're still they're they're on their their 180th date and not sure if they want to put a ring on the finger kind of thing. You know, the the old saying if you it, it, 7 days is too quick to get in date, engaged, but 7 years is too long to not know if that's the right one. I think it's time for us to go public with our faith. 
Jesus said that anyone who acknowledges me here on earth, I will acknowledge him in heaven. That's a big promise. So if it's a bumper sticker, if it's a Bible in hand, if it's a what would Jesus do, if it's a, hey, checking in at church on Facebook, whatever it is, it's good to step up and step out and say, you know what, I have decided to follow Jesus. Unequivocally, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. It is the power of God unto salvation. Many people have paralysis by analysis. They are waiting for something. What is it that you're waiting for? To go all in. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. That means if you are double-minded about the gospel, it will trickle into every other area of your life. If you want the blessings of God on your life, if you want the Holy Ghost to lead and guide you, order your steps, go all in today. Make today the day that you say, I'm putting it all in. It's like one of those good old James Bonds, you know, we're pushing the chips all in. And the bad guy's on the other side of the table and you're going, I'm all in. Someone needs to go all in today. Maybe that wasn't the best analogy, but that's what came to mind. Some are still kicking the tires, looking underneath the hood. Some of you have been test driving Christianity and you haven't purchased it yet. Matthew 16, 24 through 27. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross and follow me. You got to be committed. You got to be committed to saying no to me and saying yes to the burden and following Jesus. If we try to save our life, we lose it. But if we lose our life, today you could lose something. But you could gain so much more if you'll make a decision to go all in for Jesus Christ today. Let this year be the year where your life is forever changed. The tempo of your life, the nature of your life, the way you think, the way you act, the purpose by which you exist can change in one moment. One decision today can change everything. Turn to your neighbor and say, it can change everything. One of the things you have to do if you're going to follow Jesus is you have to be willing to have the now moment. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the moment because delayed obedience is still disobedience. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. The best time to plant a tree, 20 years ago. The second best time, Today, it's now. Procrastination is assassination to the plans that God has for your life. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Let the dead bury their dead. Let the dead bury their dead. Jesus saw through the smoke screen of this man's request. This wasn't some, you know, deep-hearted request. This was really him making an excuse. This was really an excuse. And what happened was he made his responsibility an irresponsible move in the gospel. It was a delay tactic. It was his way of deferring in the moment and saying there is something else and it's important. And there'll be no one here that would deny that's an important event. 
But Jesus saw through the smoke screen. He saw the delay tactic, and he said, if you want this, you can't let anything stop you. It doesn't matter how important it may look. You have to go all in in this moment. Irresponsible responsibilities. Also, we have to say yes to the ridiculous. If you're going to go all in for Jesus, you have to be willing to say yes to the ridiculous. I started my New Year Bible reading in the book of Judges. I don't know why, but that's where I went. I wanted to start in the book of Judges. And I read earlier this week the story of Gideon. The story of Gideon is a ridiculous story. Gideon is a, he's a, in beast mode. He's putting together the big team, the dream team, 10,000 warriors. That's what I want. Get them, boys. You know what I mean? Like 10,000 little mans. That's little man right there. That's, he's not little, by the way. He's our sound guy. We need a big sound guy because, anyways, huh? But like 10,000 and God's like, mm, too big. So he liquidates a bunch of them based on how they drank out of like a, a pond. God's like, just get the ones that like, like are drinking out of their hand. Like, and they keep, keep liquidating down to 300, taking on armies of several, several thousand. It's ridiculous. But when you follow God, when it, you put it on paper, it looks ridiculous. When you put it, when you say this plus this should not equal this, but every time I trust God, faith makes up the difference. And some of you are looking at faith, a fact and not through faith because fact will bring fear, but faith will bring vision. You have to see with the eyes of the Lord. What does the Lord say? Elijah says to the servant, he says, he says, you can't see right. I didn't pray that these armies that are against us would go away. I pray that your eyes would be open. And when his eyes were open, yes, there was an army against him, but there was even a bigger army, the army of the Lord, the angels of God. If you knew who was on your side, if you knew the power that faith brings, amen. Embrace the ridiculous. One of my favorite stories, and yet it's still one of the grossest stories, is Jesus heals a blind man, and he does it by, like, hawking a big loogie. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine, like, you're there, and you're, you're, you, all you can do is hear, and you hear, like, And he sticks saliva mud balls in your eye sockets. <laughs> but do you want a miracle? You have to embrace the ridiculous. The issue is playing it safe in God is dangerous. Playing it safe in God is dangerous. Let me read you some names. And, and, and as soon as you recognize these names, go ahead and raise your hand. Uh, Igal, Hoshia, Palti, uh, Gadiel, uh, Shamua, that's not Shamu the fish. <laughs> Shafat, which is not like Ebonics for Shifat, but <laughs> it's Shafat. Amiel, Sethur, Nabi, Gaul. 
Anybody recognize those names? Man, you're, you're a scholar, brother. <laughs> those are the guys who went into the promised land and said, we can't do it. We can't. You don't know those names, but you know the names of Caleb and Joshua who said, the land is ours. Yeah, there's big cities. Yes, there's giants. But the Lord said, it's ours. Let's take the land. And that has to be the attitude of faith. Because if you don't walk by faith, then you're walking with a mindset, mindset of safety and protection. They even said, you know, we should go back to Egypt. I mean, yes, we'll be slaves, but man, it's so predictable. Don't you love the predictability? At least we know at 4 a.m. they're going to wake us up and beat our backs and make us, you know, work and build pyramids and the Sphinx. And yeah, we're going to work. Man, this is, but at least we know we'll be going to bed at 11 p.m. and we've had two pieces of bread and one glass of milk. At least we know that, don't we? We don't know what God's going to do. And the issue is Christianity becomes dangerous when we play it safe. The issue is, is God did not call us to play it safe. He called us to be dangerous. He called us to rise up, step up, step out, and believe him for great things. But can you see it? And when you see it, can you embrace it? Can your heart embrace it? Can you look at the promised land? Can you look at the promises of God and say, yes, I can see it? I can see God moving in my home. I can see God moving in my heart. I can see the situation changing and embrace it. And when you embrace it by faith, God will give you instruction. His spirit will lead and guide you, instruct you what to do. And it usually 99.9% .9 of the time begins with us humbling ourselves. Because 99.99% .99 of the time when God speaks to me, it's something that causes me to lose my pride to be able to obey the voice of the Lord. Amen? Anybody ever been there before? Like, God, why couldn't you do this different? Like, here's the, here's the narrative I like. Instead of me going over to that group and saying this and, and, and doing that and turn the car around or, or, or praying, why can't you just give them a dream? Why can't you just send an angel? Don't you have enough angels in heaven? Like, I got, I got to get home. My wife's making spaghetti. I got to turn the car around and, and go speak a word to somebody? This is ridiculous. You have to embrace the ridiculous. You have to embrace the ridiculous. The next thing you have to do, apparently, is you got to count the cost. Jesus said this, you got to count the cost. Now, the cost of not selling out is much greater than the cost of selling out. Let me say that again. The cost of not selling out is way more than the cost of selling out. Here's the problem. Many Christians want to buy in without selling out. Does that make sense? You want to buy in but not sell out. Jesus tells a parable. He says a man is in a field. I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he's digging. Maybe he's playing football. But he stumbles on something. He goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. And there's treasure. And so the man, the Bible says, runs and he sells everything he has. Everything. Everything. To do what? To go back and buy the field. Not the treasure. You got to buy the whole thing. 
You see, the, the treasure is wonderful, but the treasure comes with the field. The treasure comes with a harvest. The treasure comes with a calling. You can't just get saved and say, that's it, done. Incubate me till the Lord comes. I will not think, I will not do anything until he comes because I'm just going to be. We just want to, like, we're saved now. And I get it because our, this, the narrative of our salvation is so amazing. I was just going through this yesterday, like, like the doctrinal, like, understanding of, like, the finished work of the cross. It's amazing. It's wonderful. It's free. Like, you did nothing to become born of sin or born in sin. It's somebody else's action. The iniquity that's inside of you is because of somebody else's decision. Adam, we are the children of Adam. And so because of his decision, we are born in sin, shapen and iniquity. But equally, you did nothing to deserve the salvation that Christ gave. You were born with it when you were born again. When you were born again, you now have a new DNA. Now you have a new father. Now you are changed. You are transformed. And it's not because of your works. It's because of what he did. And so we look at that. We go, this is the best deal ever. But you get the treasure. But there's more to it. There's a field. There's a responsibility. There's a walking in this world. If God just wanted to save you and that's it, then guess what? We'd baptize you, hold you under the water till the last bubble goes up. We go, awesome. <laughs> Baptism and funeral at the same time. Just one event. And, and we're like, kumbaya, my Lord. They were great. They weren't they wonderful? Gave their life to the Lord, literally. But he says, I, yes, the treasure is there, but you've got to have the whole field. You've got to sell out so you can buy in. Many are trying to buy in without selling out, and this is a problem. They want to ride the fence. They want to be half in. They want to, they, they want to be able to, to have their Jesus and do it too. Amen? And whenever you take that posture, you deem yourself ineffective in the kingdom ineffective in the kingdom fruitless in the kingdom are we tired of being fruitless fruitless Christianity fruitless works fruitless faith why because we didn't go all in we put part of our heart part of our passion he says I want you to go all in Mark chapter 10 and 19 you know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. And Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions he had great possessions now let me just tell you let me quantify this because I, I get it not not everyone's experience is like that and 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 you come and and you go okay i'm a christian now i gotta like you know get rid of the the, the car i'm gonna quit my job and, and this and that and, and and then and then your wife beats you up and i've got to do marital marital counseling or send you to the small group that's not the plan that's not so don't here's what this is saying this is saying that there is a cost that every one of us 
will have to pay to walk with him in that level of relationship, to really walk with him. You don't earn salvation. You don't, you don't beg for it. You don't have to chase it down. It's not a carrot at the end of a, a rope and you're trying to find it. But I'm, ta- I'm not talking about, I'm talking about going all in and giving your life completely to the gospel. What's happened in America is we have the inverted gospel. It's the gospel that revolves around me, where I am the center of the gospel narrative. It's about me, it's about me, it's about me. In fact, there was a gentleman by the name of Nicholas Copernicus, and this is the man who said, no, you know, hey, guys, in the 16th century, hey, you know what? The earth is not in the center of the universe. He was deemed a heretic. Because everybody wanted to think that everything revolved around us. The prime meridian. I was actually uh, last week in a meeting, and we have a big map of the earth. And I was looking, I noticed the prime meridian went right through London, or just to the left of London, right in London town, left. And, and I was like, I bet you whoever, whoever drew up the prime meridian was from London. So I looked it up, and sure enough, it was a guy from London. Like, who's not going to make where you are the center of the earth, right? Like, this is the center of the world, right here, of course, And that's the gospel that many of us live. I am the centerpiece. I am the focus. It's such a selfish posture. We come in, we vacillate. Are we all in or are we not? And when we need him, when we need some grief therapy, when we need him to fix our stuff and our mess-ups, he's there, he's faithful, he's going, but there is so much more than don't do this and don't do that. The rich young ruler his whole existence was about, I didn't do this, and I don't do that, and I didn't do this. And many Christians, their whole existence is, I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I didn't go there. I didn't say that. I didn't smoke that. I didn't eat that. I didn't do that. Look at, look. And God goes, that's good. I love you. But where I'm calling you is so much more than the checklist and rules. The plan is a man. It's a relationship. With Jesus. Two hundred years ago, there were a group of missionaries. They were called one-way missionaries. They were from Scotland. The London Missionary Society established this group that would go, and 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 for several years, the men that would go would literally pack all their stuff and put it in a coffin, and bury it, and say, "We're done. We we're leaving our life behind." And they would go and get a one-way ticket to wherever God called them, wherever God whatever God laid on their heart with the plan of never going back. There was a man by the name of William Mound, and he felt God was calling him to go to what is now called Vanuatu. He went to an island in the the Pacific, just north of Australia, and every missionary before him had been killed by headhunters, every single one of them. There was no mansion there. There was no Bible college there. There was no outreach program there. There was no wells that were dug by Christians there. Nothing except dead bones of missionaries. He said, I'm going. I'm going all in. He sold out. He sold out so he could buy in to the call that God had put in his life. He got there and God began to do miracles 35 years later after converting village after village after village after village. When he died, they set up, they buried 
him in the village and set up his tomb with the epitaph that wrote, when he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. A man who gave it all for the gospel. I read this on our communion night, the night before New Year's Eve, Isaiah 54, 1 through 2. Isaiah chapter 54, 1 through 2. I'm closing with this. It says, single barren, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than that of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes. Now here's what I know. After the Promise Center put up a tent, literally for three and a half years out in this little cul-de-sac here, our little hospitality area, when we used to come in these doors and the stage was right over here and there were 100 seats right here. You guys remember that? Some of you remember that? You know that as the tent gets bigger, and you loosen the cords, the stake has to go deeper to hold the weight of the tent. Now, I'm not a camper. You know this. I've confessed it. Camping is like purgatory for me. It's one degree north of the other place. It's just, get it. You get it. And I tried that one time to set up a tent and say, we don't need to stake the corners. And you wake up the next morning and the tent is upside down. You're sleeping on the door. You know what I mean. But the great, he said, I want you to expand. I want, I want you to get ready. By faith, we're going to expand. There's something coming. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna widen. We need more tapestry. We need, we need more string. The string's got to get longer. But with all that said, you cannot have all of this unless you get those stakes and you go deep. Yes, we want to go up. Yes, we want more of God. Yes, we're believing for miracles. But he says, if you want to go up, you first got to go down and anchor what I'm about to do. So as we're in 21 days of prayer, we're anchoring, we're going deep, we're praying, we're seeking the mind of God. God's getting us deeper in his word because there's something about to happen in our lives. There's a shift about to take place. Miracles that you said, oh, that's for somebody else, somewhere else. It's always easy to hear these stories and go, God God can do it through them because it's, a, it's kind of a story that's close enough but far enough. It's close enough for me to believe but far enough for me to go, whew, I'm glad it was them and not me. But what if it's you? What if the Lord is saying today, follow me? And you have to look and go, but look at all the stuff I've got to leave. I can't hold on to this stuff that's comfortable anymore. It's safe, it's comfortable, and it's predictable. And in 2016, I believe that God is knocking. No, no, no. He's pounding the door of our heart and he's saying let me in 
There is so much more for you if you'll let me in. There's more. There's more. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's more. There's more in 2016. Enlarge the tent. Get it ready. But it's time to go deep and prepare for what God has. It's time to let go of the past and let go of that stuff that makes you comfortable and safe. And say, Lord, I don't want to be safe. I want to walk and be dangerous following you. Would you stand? And with our hearts open, today someone's going to make a decision to follow Jesus. That old song we used to sing, I've decided to follow Jesus. Can you make that decision today? Not to just go on some casual e-harmony dates with Jesus and look at his profile and go, mm, he's good. Jesus has more stalkers than anybody I know. They know where he lives. They know what he does. They know what he likes. But it's time to get committed to the Lord, the King of kings, the Savior of my soul, the sweet fragrance that gives life. Amen? Can we close our eyes? Can we lift our hands as we begin to sing and worship? For more information about who we are, we invite you to go to thepromisecenter.com. God bless you.